Thank you for listening to this Podcast One production. Available on Apple Podcasts and Podcast One. Hey, Jordan Harbinger here. Subscribe to the only show that will show you how to apply the world's greatest ideas from the most striking minds. After presenting more than a thousand interviews, I couldn't be more compelled to introduce you to the Jordan Harbinger Show. We've got spies and CEOs, athletes and authors from Kobe Bryant to Malcolm Gladwell, Tony Hawk and Howie Mandel to the chairman of Google, founders of LinkedIn and Instagram, antiquities smugglers, con men, brilliant scientists, national heroes, and even the head of the CIA. Listed as Apple's best of 2018 and countless other awards that, let's be honest, you probably don't care about right now. So come and have a listen for yourself and join me as we exploit the superpowers of the world's most incredible thinkers, amazing achievers, and iconic change makers with their insights delivered right into your mind. You'll get that blueprint of their brilliance each week so that you can learn to live what you listen. Subscribe right now to The Jordan Harbinger Show, available on Apple Podcasts, Spotify, and wherever you're listening now. Napa know-how. At Napa Auto Parts stores and Napa Auto Care centers, get a $25 prepaid Visa card when you get any Napa automotive battery. It's the best deal for some of the best batteries from some of the best car people around. But we might be a little partial. Anywho, pick up any Napa automotive battery and save 25 bucks. Do it yourself or have it done for you. That's Napa know-how. Napa know-how. At participating Napa Auto Parts stores and Napa Auto Care Centers. While supplies last, offer ends 831.20. Hey guys, Perry here to tell you a little bit about Pluto TV. It's the leading free streaming television service where you can watch over 100 TV channels and thousands of movies on demand all completely free. Pluto TV never asks for your credit card. You don't even need to sign up to watch for free. Pluto TV is the easiest and completely legal way to watch your favorite TV shows and hit movies for free. So what are you waiting for? Never pay for TV again by downloading Pluto TV. You can download Pluto TV for free on all of your favorite devices today, including your phone, your Roku, Amazon Fire TV, Apple TV, Smart TVs, PlayStation, and anywhere else you stream. Napa know-how. At Napa Auto Parts stores and Napa Auto Care centers, get a $25 prepaid Visa card when you get any Napa automotive battery. It's the best deal for some of the best batteries from some of the best car people around. But we might be a little partial. Anywho, pick up any Napa automotive battery and save 25 bucks. Do it yourself or have it done for you. That's Napa know-how. Napa know-how. At participating Napa Auto Parts stores and Napa Auto Care centers. While supplies last, offer ends 831 Get ready for the tastiest breakfast under the sun. Jimmy Dean Casserole Bites. All the homemade flavors of a breakfast casserole packed into a poppable bite. You know something else? They taste good. Graphic is crazy. On today's movie talk, we're talking about Guardians of the Galaxy Volume 3 on top of that brand new poster for Child's Play. And then the real horror of this episode, yup, it is Sonic the Hedgehog. They released a trailer, and wow, that's going to be an interesting conversation we're having at this table today with our main man on Tuesdays. It is Koi. I'm so excited to talk about Sonic. As am I. And today, <laughs> we have the pleasure of having Elu with us. Elu, welcome to the set. Thank you. Thanks for having me. So happy to have you. Just briefly, because our audience doesn't know you very oh, yeah, well. Sure. 
tell them about, I mean, this is probably embarrassing, but tell them about how insanely talented you are. Uh, I'm insane, and I have some talent. <laughs> I love comic books. I love video games. I love the fantasy. I love horror. I love all that good stuff. That's why I'm here. Mm-hmm. I love Avengers. I love X-Men. I love Marvel, DC, everything. So I'm, I'm ready to rock. I brought my armor. I got my Captain America socks on, and I'm ready to go and get into it. Always yeah. happy to hear that. All right. Let's do it right now. The first story on the list today, of course, is that Sonic the Hedgehog trailer. This movie is a Paramount movie, and it follows Sonic, who in this movie is voiced by Ben Schwartz, as he tries to save the world alongside his human pal Tom, who's played by James Marsden, and stop the villainous Dr. Robotnik, played by Jim Carrey. This movie is opening up on November 8th. Elu, how'd you feel about this one? Well, I wanted to be gripped. I always loved Sonic when I was in college playing that game and, you know, playing it for hours. Uh, his legs remind me of Mr. Planters, though. I'm a little curious as <laughs> That's to a good comparison. That's really solid, yeah. <laughs> what they're going to do. Uh, I don't know. I try not to be too negative, but, well, we'll see. Well, maybe I won't see, but we'll see how it does. <laughs> well, I guess that sums it up. I feel like you're also sitting at a table with two people who, you know, like to see the silver lining and things. But with this trailer, I I don't know if I can. It, it's been a running joke ever since we got that first trailer of Sonic's little legs stretched out. Yeah. And it's just really awkward and it's made a whole bunch of memes. And now that the trailer is actually here, I almost can't appreciate anything that could be good in this because I keep thinking to myself, who would design a Sonic? Sonic the Hedgehog that looks like this and actually okay it. Actually okay it for a big budget studio movie. It doesn't make any sense to me. I, I feel like uh, first I have to acknowledge the running joke, the pun there because this is, movie is going to be a running joke who will be sprinting to the end of it the whole way through and it's going to be horrific on levels. Like, this won't have legs. Uh, but I don't understand. I'm very positive and she, like Perry asked me right before the show she's like, what was good about this trailer? And I gotta say, uh, they, they hired James Marsden, which is a thing you should always do. James Marsden is so slept on. He's fantastic. Uh, not just Westworld movies. James Marsden's great. Um, they used a Genesis pun which I appreciate as a Sega Genesis guy and um, I got. I gotta say, that's the end of my list. I I love everything, you guys. And this movie, I don't get how hundreds of animators that are probably like you have to be very talented to be a CGI animator. You have to be impossibly brilliant to handle special effects. So it's the design elements I don't understand because this took lots and lots of work to do this, and that's the confusion. Like Doctor Robotnik's a big fat guy. He goes by Egghead. Like why is Jim Carrey a skinny dude? Like wearing silly glasses. Like why didn't they at least make Jim Carrey Jim Carrey? And also why do you hire Jim Carrey to be the straight man? He's Jim Carrey. Like there's so many questions. And how do you waste? In shorts. I just like, I'm so rarely negative that I feel it's like a pent up ball of like, what and how and why. And the whole time I watch the trailer, I'm like, what does Gangster's Paradise have to do with Sonic? Why do you keep playing the opening of Gangster's Paradise? Then you get to the chorus two minutes in, and the whole way there, it's like, he's not a gangster or in paradise. Nothing about this is Coolio. Like, I just, I don't get it. And we've been confused for a long time. I hoped the trailer would be like, oh, it looks better in motion, but it didn't. No. <laughs> the other thing that really confused me and was actually brought out even more so by the Collider.com article because that's where they point this out as well is the thought of taking a character, in particular a Sonic that looks like this particular Sonic and plopping him into a live-action world because part of the appeal of that game was the landscapes and the atmosphere Mm. and the feel of it and 
that life is completely sucked out of it and further made awkward by putting Sonic in the live action mm-hmm. realm. And it's not that that can't work, but I think this is also feeling even worse to me. Hot on the heels of getting so many great promos for Detective Pikachu, yeah. where the CG in that is working so well for me. It's got that reach out and touch it vibe. It looks like it fits in with the live action human counterparts. And then this is just like the exact opposite. I think earlier today I had told someone it felt more like like an early 2000s version of yeah. a live action CG yeah. Uh, adaptation. Yeah, that's what I felt. I definitely would agree with you on that point as far as that. I mean, the whole missile surround situation that happens to him there. We've already seen Quicksilver, though. We've already seen great, amazing slow-mo kind of, you know, super fast perception and all that sort of kind of thing. So, you know, it's kind of a precedent that's been set already. So when I see him playing around with missiles and everything at that kind of slow speed, uh, I'm like, it looks a little 2D to me. I mean, quite frankly. My issue is that this, we were talking about, you were talking about the color palette of yes. Sonic. The beautiful thing about Sonic is like the orange and reds, the glowing mm-hmm. worlds, the trees and their texture. This movie is crying out for Speed Racer. It's time, <laughs> society. Speed Racer can exist right now. It came out too soon before, but Speed Racer is this hyper real world. It ties into this mythology. You could have made Speed Racer with this kind of character and it would have worked. You also could make crazy special effects onto Dr. Robotnik to make him feel more like that world. It feels like Sonic is completely removed and placed into the real world. Mm -hmm. Whereas the Sonic universe, and there's a Sonic cartoon you could have followed, there's Sonic comic books, there's a precedent for Sonic and other mediums besides the video games, and those feel like Sonic. This is Alvin and the Chipmunks' weird uncle. Perfect. Like, it feels like that era of CGI and translated into this, and I don't don't want to meet that uncle. Yeah, so... Taking a little bit of a step away from this trailer, I'm curious to know what you guys think about this one's box office potential because, you know, we have Detective Pikachu. Early reviews are in. They're positive for that one. And some are even saying that this is going to end the video game adaptation curse. And then all of a sudden we get this. And granted, there's a large period of time between Pikachu's release and this movie's release. But let's say that it surprises everybody and it winds up being pretty good. Do you think it has any chance of making the big bucks at the box office with a pretty rough start to its promo campaign now? I don't. I don't. I think they're going to probably take a shellacking on it. It just has that kind of a feel of a movie that's about to take a shellacking just based upon the anemic quality of the trailer and just sort of the idea is there. I like the concept. I kind of get where they're coming from trying to throw in the gangster's paradise thing, but the first thing I want to say is it's not that easy. Like you have to have a lot to go with that. I know what they're going for. I just weren't, wasn't seeing them quite get it across to me through the screen. You know how someone explained it? I wish I had uh, saved this tweet, but someone was explaining the difference between, I don't mean to keep bringing up Pikachu, but it was a lot of the conversation today, is that there was something about Pikachu, as this person described it, that it looked at the game and it found the hook of the game, the the part of the game that made someone want to jump into that world, and that's what this is missing, Mm -hmm. which is unfortunate. For me, I laughed at the last button. I laughed at the bag bit. Like, that was funny enough. For a kid's movie, it was funny enough. Like, it wasn't something that I, like, would see a whole movie over, but that was funny. So, I feel like if they brought out a new trailer that was all that kind of humor, if they found Jim Carrey's worth, if they found, like, James Marsden's so good, if they found any of those things, it could almost be good enough to tolerate the CGI. Like, there were times in the 2000s where you had to just go, like, okay, but it's funny. Like, you had to suspend disbelief. We're in 20 
2019 now, so we're kind of past the point where we can forgive that. So I feel like this needs to go either towards like representing some of the best jokes in the trailer, like you know having a second trailer really land, or it's going to be one of those so bad it's good movies. Like this might get a four dollar Walmart situation, right. like straight to DVD. Like I don't think it'll do well, but I can also see this doing really well with kids. The humor is very young. The humor is very like for that market. I just I don't envy the parents. Like so that's the tricky line is like I see everything and this was like I don't know if I'm I feel weird skipping a James Marsden Ben Shorts mm-hmm. and Jim Carrey movie but I feel like I might have to the uh, first Jim Carrey joke almost felt like a little mean spirited to me like I felt I felt bad for the character he was making fun of in the moment yeah. I don't think that's what the scene was intended on uh, doing there it's using Jim Carrey wrong and that's that feels just it's sad like speaking of it being a kids movie though I mean that seems to be what's working in its favor right now because I'm looking at the November uh, the November release dates right now and and there's a movie called Arctic Dogs. It's an animated movie, but it looks like it's probably going to be a smaller release, not a big studio release. That com- comes out on November 1st. And then the next weekend is when we have Sonic. And one of the big releases that weekend is the horror movie Doctor Sleep. There's also a rom-com called Last Christmas. So it does have a nice little space carved out mm-hmm. for itself, should it actually click with kids out there. It's just, I, I don't feel, I don't feel... Uh, freaking Pikachu again I don't feel that same like resurgence of the brand and it's not like Pokemon ever really went away but Mm -hmm. there's something about Sonic that feels like I don't know it's not tapping back into the heart of what it was before where it's making me as a Sonic fan as a kid want to say well go play it everybody make sure you're aware of this movie and bring it back and it's so translatable, like with the cartoon. If you made the cartoon this, that was the feeling we wanted. We love Tails. We love Knuckles. We love that world. Like, I love Sonic. Some of my favorite games of all time. So it's it's it just feels like a waste. It yeah. feels like someone holding on to an IP. It's unfortunate. We do have a little ways to go before the movie actually comes out. So I'd be curious to know if they actually turn it around with the marketing campaign. Yeah, there's something that seemed a little bit uncoiled about just his character design. Like, it, I, I keep picturing tonic and what i enjoyed about playing was just this kind of like muscular little ball of fire and you know he was kind of a tough sort of a bit of a bad badass you know what i'm saying and so i wasn't quite getting that sense of it i got a little bit of snark from his character something like that but i wasn't getting like this other aspect that's so robust about his character yeah uh, well we'll see what happens with this marketing campaign and then in the meantime i guess we'll just have some uh, fun with memes so that's something we're moving on to story number two now and this one is all about a brand new look we got at gal gadot in wonder woman 1984 it's her birthday today so patty jenkins shared a brand new image from the movie and usually we don't cover a single image from a movie but this one might have a little clue to what the story might be about or what it might involve over at THR they note that she's dressed in all white in this image and that brings to mind the controversial era of comics in the late 60s when Diana lost her powers and became a mod inspired martial artist for a number of years so THR is asking is the costume choice simply an easter egg or a hint that Diana might temporarily lose her abilities in this movie just in case you need a refresher Wonder Woman 1984 is due in theaters on June 5th, 
2020. Koi, what do you make of this? Is it a reach or is this a real possibility here? I think they have merit in their statement. I think that the, that costume is definitely symbolic of a certain time and it ran a while. Like that run went a, like, I think it's like four volumes worth of, of like, as they collected it. And it's um, a tricky time in Wonder Woman because it, I think it was Diana Prince Wonder Woman. So they were leaning into the Diana Prince side and there's definitely merit in that for a sequel. I like when sequels don't just keep going bigger, bolder. I like when they focus on character. I like mm-hmm. when they narrow down instead of just going out because at some point you can't get bigger and bigger. So if they handle it right, I could see this being a choice that would work. I could, if anyone's going to make a depowered Wonder Woman work, it's Patty Jenkins and Gal Gadot. Like if anyone can, it's them. So if that means there's a, a redemption for her powers, if they make it like work for the story, I wouldn't mind that as a choice, but it's such a fine line. I don't want it to be too much of the movie. I don't necessarily want it to be the only like, you know, I don't want Cheetah to take away her powers and they have to fight like human. Like there's so many ways it can go wrong, but it's also just outfit. It might literally be an Easter egg. It might be a nod. Like there might be a moment that she's in that outfit that ties into a bigger story. So it's it's a big question mark on I purpose. I mean, when I did look at this image, I'm like, oh, we don't need to cover this today. It's just an image. And then I started to read some takes out there about it. And when this popped up, it really piqued my interest because that would be a major story choice. Yeah. Elu, are you interested in seeing them do that here? Or is it kind of pushing it too far and away from what you're hoping 84 accomplishes? I'm really on board with what he just said. I really think it's a brilliant move to, you know, depower a very powerful character, and then it allows the actor to really get into character, and they really can get in close. I mean, I think that was what was so brilliant about the Batman um, franchise. You know, you could really get down into the character, really get into the acting and you know, just the storytelling, and yeah. as opposed to like these humongous sorts of you know events that are world threatening and so you have to have a, a power and a focus that you know focuses on that in this case you know when you cut it down a size i mean even avengers uh uh what was it i keep wanting to say age of ultron was that yeah that was the yeah, no no right after age of ultron where the uh civil war, civil war, yeah. Yeah, civil yeah. war. i could see yeah, why you would brain, say like, avengers yeah, first avengers yeah, yeah, 2.5 right, exactly right yeah so civil war kind of toned it down and was really the characters had to really work and explore the consequences of what happened in yeah. age of ultron so similarly in this i'm all for i mean i'm really excited i'm all for that take that you had there where we we, we go into okay wow i mean I'm a, I'm a big daredevil fan so i i like it when you know they're at the edge of their skills just trying to make it happen so you know and we've I, seen her very powered we've seen her her introduction batman vs superman is one of the best one of the great introduction in comic book movies like when you hear that score go and she just owns and like we've seen her hat incredible power and she can only go up from here but if she has to regain that power for whatever reason that moment will be huge we'll feel it all Mm -hmm. and again i love that this is an image we're theorizing all this stuff and either way it lands i'm happy i'm so excited for wonder woman 84 Mm -hmm. that if it's an easter egg to a few years of comics or if it's a depowering storyline both ways i'm in and also you know she's iconic just for her character i mean as far as her behavior her attitude her take on life, her mm-hmm. charisma, her integrity, that sort of thing. So to take away the power side of things and just give us a chance to really understand why she even sort of deserves those powers or how she wields those powers. It's, it's sort of like Thor, you know, you, you lack humility. Right, right, <laughs> you know right. What I'm saying like that kind of thing. 
of course, everyone says, "Yo, you have your Wonder Woman armor." You know, it's like, well, but anyway, uh, yeah. So I'm all I'm all for that. I mean, maybe it won't happen, but I'd be we'll all see. for it. Yeah. I think I'm kind of into it. I think the only thing that's keeping me from saying yes, go that route, story wise, is the fact that this is only her second solo movie, and I know mm. we've seen a lot of her in other mm. movies, but. Mm. It's like, before you strip the power away, I want to mm. see her wield it again in a new way on her own so that when you take it away in maybe a third film, then it's got even more meaning to me. But, mm. you know, again, I'm, I'm still pretty open to it at this point. Then again, Superman 2, he lost his powers, remember, and because he, he put for Lois Lane and that whole thing, and then turns out... Uh, I need my powers. And that'd be fun to mirror Superman 2. Like, I think Superman 2 is also one of the great super, superhero movies. So it'd be cool if, you know, they're kind of giving a nod to that since, unfortunately, we're not having a Superman movie anytime soon. Oh, we're going to bring that into the Man of Steel right 2 now, needs to be next on the slate. I want it so oh, bad. Don't Kibble, get me come back to us. started come on that. Sometime soon, hopefully. But at least we have this to look forward to right now. It seems to be shaping up. Well, also, again, colors. I mean, this color palette, even though it's a different setting, it matches a lot of the poppy colors we got in some of the other material we've yeah. seen. And I like the idea of, after having a bit of a darker movie the first time around, going with something really bold and colorful and really embracing, like, an 80s vibe to it. So another plus right there as well. And how insane is it we get, like, Shazam, which is in-universe but out-of-universe, and then we get Joker, which is out-of-universe, and then we get Wonder Woman 84, which is in and out-of-universe, because it's not following Wonder Woman directly. We don't know how or why Mm -hmm. it's set in 84. I personally love that DC is going, we were doing this path, Aquaman bid a billion dollars, and we were already on this path over here where Aquaman was separate, it was contained, Shazam is separate, it's contained, Joker's contained, Wonder Woman's contained. I'm really appreciating the fact that they're investing so much in their movies, like, individually Mm -hmm. diving in and this to me like just a single image but we're investing in this image the fact we've talked about it for five minutes means we're so excited for this movie and I love that it's an 84 and I love that I have no idea why I'm pretty satisfied with the upcoming slate right now I can't wait and it's really hard for me not to go down the Shazam uh, path right now because I can't stop talking about that movie either but right now I have to tell you guys something we are taking your live Twitter questions at the end of the show you guys know what to do hashtag collider movie talk no endgame spoilers in the Twitter questions, so don't ask about one because we're not going to pick that short, sweet, something different. Have a little fun, guys. All right. Story number three today. Ooh, I like this one. So we got a brand new Child's Play poster, and I feel like this came up on Movie Talk recently when we got something from Child's Play and something from Toy Story 4 at the same time, and we jokingly said, someone do a poster mashup, and I believe this is an official one from the actual studio working on child's play you could see it right there that is chucky's foot and that is a bloody ripped doll that looks a whole lot like toy stories woody and i can't believe they went there elu what was your first reaction when you saw that poster cool (laughs) i'm a horror fan though so i'm I'm all in i mean i love chucky and i love just the the whole uh deconstruction element and it's cool to get some overt snark like out front you know it's not passive aggressive it's directly aggressive and that's what Chucky is where do you stand on this new child's play movie are you excited to see something that is essentially like a buddy doll but AI 2.0 versus what they're doing with the original version of the character I, I'm all for it I mean I'm, I'm looking forward to, to seeing it I'm a straight on child's play fan, fan I mean I remember the whole cabbage patch kids craze and then Chucky came into the picture and you know just turned it on its head and you know it has a it's very it reminds you of Pet Cemetery somehow I don't know why but it does 
or I, I actually recently saw Fallen, also um, the old Denzel oh, wow. Washington movie, and so this the whole idea of this possessed criminal, you know. Criminals that tinker with the demonic forces and manage to impute themselves. And all other I can hear now is that. the tune he whistles in that movie. Oh, right. right. Oh, oh, yeah. Um, um, time is on my side. Koi, yeah. how are you feeling about this one? And also, do you think it's crazy that they can get away with this? Is there any concern that Disney will like knock on their door and say, hey, yeah. you used our toys likeness? So it's a red sleeve instead of yellow. And it's got a chunk missing out of it, and the stitching is different enough that parody is a really fine line. Like, lawyers are out. I'm sure this went through 18 iterations of lawyers going, all right, slightly darker. Okay, a little bit more of this. And, I mean, it's definitely, we know what it is. Everyone knows what it is. But I think it's just on the other side where they can't irrefutably defend it. So I feel like parody got got its way today. Like a lot of, like movie spoofs are are the name of the game. Like this is definitely within that realm. And uh, I'm excited for this movie because I love Mark Hamill. I love his voice Mm -hmm. work. I think it's going to be tricky to walk that Joker line because it's, that voice is so iconic to that world. But I think the Child's Play franchise is, is ripe for right now. We, I mean, I love um, like the, the the idea of you know the childhood things coming at you. Like dolls are scary. Like childhood things are, are haunting. Little kids, like the Shining Girls, like that whole world works for my fear set. So I I'll take another one. Sure. I, I'm still sensitive about the whole Child's Play reboot thing. I don't need to rehash that argument. But I will say they tipped the scale a little with this post. <laughs> I just I, when I saw this. I didn't understand how it wasn't just like a fan-made joke, like a really smart, well-done fan-made joke. I applaud them all day and all night for going (laughs) this far with this poster. I think it is absolutely genius. And I mean, it almost reminds me a little bit of the uh, the Deadpool marketing campaign and the way that they used parody. It was really smart. It played into what that specific movie was, but it also played into pop culture and things we love. And it just so happens that these two movies are dropping in very close proximity to one another so i think this is a brilliant move mm. I, I think they're going to play to different audiences so i think play to different audiences i love the fact that we get a toy story and a child's play so close together and i love they're both about dolls so like i i like that they're leaning all the way and i think it's the best marketing they could have had because how excited we're the market and this is how excited we are about this this choice this is absolutely crazy they're i mean they're coming actually they're coming out the same day <laughs> they're both oh it's the same day i, I know, the same as month. i said that i'm like wait they're the same day aren't Whoa. they and yes they both hit theaters on Friday, June 21st. So, like, this might not stop. So the day that was announced... The same date and date. I guarantee they started work on this. I like they immediately were like, "What's the legal line we can walk to get this poster out?" Like, I, there's been teams figuring this out. I really hope this is only the tip of the iceberg, and we get more stuff that. And it has nothing to do with me not liking Toy Story. I adore that series, but keep having fun like this and play into it. It's amazing. <laughs> All right, we've got one more story on our lineup today, and it's a big one. And I'm going to warn you ahead of time: this one will contain Avengers Endgame spoilers, but not yet. We're going to start out spoiler-free, and you will get a very clear warning before we start to talk about Endgame specific. So, first up here, we've got a brand new piece on THR right now, and the focus of that piece is a whole bunch of salaries that the Avengers raked in for Endgame, and in that piece, it also includes a little something about when some of the future Marvel movies are going in front of cameras. The plan is to shoot Black Widow and the Eternals this year with Shang-Chi following after the Eternals. THR then mentions that Guardians of the Galaxy Volume 3 is going to shoot 20 
2020. The Suicide Squad is on track to film in the fall of 2019, so it's possible that James Gunn is going to be in pre-production on Guardians of the Galaxy Volume 3 while he works on the Suicide Squad. Then, once Suicide Squad moves into post-production, Gunn can move into production on Guardians 3. Koi, let's dig into this planned schedule right now. Is it just crazy to overload himself like that, or is Gunn going to pull all this off? So James Gunn's a trauma guy, and if you deal with those kind of budgets, I feel like you can handle anything. And I feel like James Gunn, if you're making movies for $17, you can make anything work. So if... The reason Marvel works so well is they find directors that can make something out of... So the reason DC is doing so well is they keep having hard directors come make their giant big budget stuff because they know how to handle money. They know how to multitask. They know how to squeeze every nickel out of it. So for me, James Gunn is the perfect person to juggle this many things. He can handle that kind of team dynamic. He can handle that kind of crazy production schedule. He can juggle a lot. So James Gunn has been doing this forever, and I also feel like James Gunn has been ready to jump back into this hard, and he's had the script ready forever. The script's been done. We've been hearing about it for so long. He already knows how he's going to shape it. I feel like pre-production on this is as done as it can be without actually being mm-hmm. in front of cameras because he's waited point. so long to do this. Plus, we don't know how far along Suicide Squad pre-pro is. We know when it's shooting, but we don't know. Like, we get new casts like David Smalchie and Polka Dot Man is inspired. We keep getting new casting choices uh, announced. We don't know how far along they are. So I feel like he's going to be exhausted. I feel like he's going to be overworked, mm-hmm. but I don't think it's going to cost either movie any integrity. And I feel like James Gunn is the person to balance two giant blockbusters back to back. Okay. I'm, I definitely have a lot of faith in him as well. I'm wondering, Elu, with, you know, I don't want to reduce it to just this simple statement, but both of these movies are about, you know, ensembles of misfits in a sense. So do you see them blurring the lines creatively and maybe Guardians feeling too similar to the Suicide Squad or vice versa? Well, first of all, I'm wondering, is this some kind of record? Because I've never heard of a director directing two competing franchises, basically, or two two movie houses. I mean, I'm a, such a staunch Marvel head. However, right now, at this point, DC starting to look appetizing to me. But but either way, I'm just kind of shocked by that. But as far as his style and his um, genius as a director and you know, shape and shaper of stories, I mean, I'm sure that he has the technique to make them rather distinct in their in their own way. So I wouldn't worry. I'm personally not worried about that. I'm going to go see both of them, but I just feel a little guilty because, you know, I kind of wanted to keep him for Marvel. I I feel spoiled across the board at this point. I'm so excited for both of these movies. And the good thing about... Yes, it's going to be a lot of work for him on his own because he is the director. He is steering the ship, so to speak. But, you know, when you think about Marvel, he's got Feige. He's got a whole bunch of people backing him up at DC, too. He's got the people around him that are going to make sure that these production and pre-production and post-production schedules work to make the best possible movie at the end. So I have a whole lot of faith. He is. I really do think he's going to crush it with both of these. I think he's going to crush it with both of these and end up even higher than he, he was before. And I also feel like with the post production being so long in this kind of movie that allows for more of a buffer like it sounds like to us like pre and post into pre and post mm-hmm. like the way it's tied together but post-production in these cgi heavy movies they have a lot more time like the movies have to gestate they have all the cgi to handle all the editing to handle and that's very hands-on but i feel like with using two different parts of your brain like on set version versus like handling the minutia of dealing with this stuff mm-hmm. i think that's actually going to be beneficial to both films and i also feel like if this was the first guardians and the first suicide squad that'd be one thing but since it's his first suicide squad and his third guardians we're already established mm-hmm. in the family of guardians we already have the foundation they're shorthand on that set all 
all of those people have worked together for years. All those people are, are beyond, especially with how we know how loyal they are to James Gunn. We know what they've gone through this last year. That set is going to be a streamlined experience that is going to be a well-oiled machine. Mm-hmm. And Suicide Squad, he's casting people that he's worked with before. Dave Batista, David Desmalchian. He's assembling people that are close to him. So that's also going to be a well-oiled machine. And he's got a precedent of PG-13 is going to be Guardians. And I'm assuming it's going to be an R-rated Suicide Squad. So I feel like what those movies are will be distinctive in that one of them is going to feel like a DC Universe film and be R and it's going to be that flavor. And then Guardians already has a very established flavor. We're not going to get a space opera Suicide Squad. Guaranteed. 10 of 10. Mm-hmm. No space opera. We're going to get a down and dirty, gritty movie with probably a villain without a space hole in it. And then we're going to get a cosmic space opera with Guardians. So I think they, yes, they're on paper similar, but I think the actual tone of the movies will be very different. Just to play with that a little more, do you actually think that this Suicide Squad movie could wind up being rated R? I am pray. I, I, I've thought it from the beginning. When they announced him, I was like, okay, finally a Suicide Squad rated R. I think this is going to be the one. I think that'll be the big announcement. I think I think that's what's coming. Well, with his horror background his and horror certain background. other things coming up soon, I wouldn't mind seeing him tap into that. I mean, the other thing to point out about James Gunn and his career overall, and the idea of him being able to tackle so many things and having such a firm understanding about everything he's working on in every single stage of the process is he also keeps super busy in between his <laughs> directing duties. <laughs> producing other things. So he is the kind of guy who knows how every single department operates, and he goes nonstop. So for all I know, we're sitting here being like, this is crazy. He's making two giant movies, and he's like, yeah, par for the course. This is my life. He's actively writing a sixth movie we don't know about, producing another Friends movie. I wouldn't like, he's be always, surprised. Yeah, so this might be the most public this has happened. All right, you guys ready to steer this ship into spoilers? All right. It's coming, guys. This is the time. We are going to address some spoilers in Avengers Endgame, because we want to dig a little deeper into Guardians 3 and specifically what the events of Avengers Endgame could mean for Guardians of the Galaxy Volume 3. This is your one and only spoiler warning now. Bye. If you haven't seen the movie, come back later. This conversation will be much more fun that way. All right. Who wants to kick this off? Endgame, what happens there, where the movie leaves our Guardians? What do you think Guardians of the Galaxy Volume 3 is going to be focused on? Personally, I thought that Thor was going to pick up where Hawkeye dropped that bit to him about it can't be undone and maybe they go and rescue Black Widow. I mean, it's a reach only because I'm thinking, well, how's the Black Widow movie going to go? But that's probably the the least spicy take. But it's a possibility. The other thing is, while in the shower, I was like, what about the Micronauts? Because they're a Marvel as well. So maybe there's some kind of possibility there with Ant-Man and those guys. But I don't know. I think... It's going to be pretty trippy, that's I'm for sure. holding tight right now to the soul for a soul idea, especially when we address some of the quotes from Marcus and McFeely the other day. It seemed yeah. like that was like a little bit of a definitive, this is the end of her story. We'll get a prequel. That's all well and good. I'm still excited for it no matter what, but I'm still sad to see uh, Black Widow go. But yeah. Guardians, that... Those are my guys. That's my team right there. Still to this day, Guardians of the Galaxy is my favorite MCU movie. And the thought of getting a Guardians of the Galaxy Volume 3 with the Guardians plus Thor, I I can't handle it. And I do think that that's the route they're going to go. I am going to put my money on Guardians of the Galaxy 3 with Thor. That'll then pave the way to Thor 4 and the cosmic MCU will grow. I am thinking that James Gunn wrote the script two years ago with Thor in it. 
And I'm thinking that the reason there was so much, well, we're keeping James Gunn's script, even if we get a new director, that phase is because Thor has been a part of this mm-hmm. from the beginning. And I think that was the script that he's been a part of the whole universe's shared experience for so long. He also exec produced Endgame. He's also been a producer. He's been so versed in Marvel that I almost guarantee Thor has been a piece of that puzzle for longer than obviously we've known, but for a very long time. And honestly, I'm, I think it's going to be a very comic-y as Guardians of the Galaxy Volume mm-hmm. 3, The Search for Gamora. I think it's going to be them looking for Gamora. I think it's going to be a very cosmic tale. I think we finally get Adam Warlock because James Gunn's wanted to put Adam Warlock in this since the first Guardians of the mm-hmm. Galaxy movie. You bring Thor into this, you finally have a foil for Adam Warlock. Also, the scene in Infinity War, the scenes of Infinity War with Chris Hemsworth and Chris Pratt are gold. So that, that relationship, that dynamic is going to be amazing. I think it's going to be fighting for you know superiority on the ship, not in any real way, but a, a playful mm-hmm. way like it was at the end of the movie. And I think they're going to be looking for Gamora, and I think it's going to be a Thor trying to find himself, figuring out who he is, and I agree, leading into Thor 4, and I think it's going to be a rescue mission? I think it's going to be a search for Gamora, and I think mm-hmm. it's going to tie into all sorts of stuff. Plus, some Asgardians might be in space. We don't know, because we have that new Asgard, but they got lost in space. There was a whole space battle. Like, I, There's a lot of cosmic stuff with Thor that could work. But also, I guess we need to talk about who the villains are out there. I mean, if we're going to be in space, um, I mean... Endless I mean, possibilities. I mean, Galactus. I mean, to me, it would be like a great way to start getting us ready for a Fantastic Four kind of world, like some kind of build up to you know that kind of like the cosmic forces that are you know going on. Uh, some of the uh, characters that that, that, that play in our space, and also Howard the Duck. <laughs> Who was in the fight? Yeah, yeah that's what those I'm high frames. I missed him. I He's missed very him. like after the A Force moment. You turn left. There's a blip of Howard the Duck. It's well, right, the like A Force moment excited me so much it scrambled my brain. So I'm not surprised <laughs> that I missed that's that. That's the moment to miss. Going off of your searching for Gamora question because this is something that I've been talking a lot about with uh, with John Roca because I am of the mind that she was never dusted and that just like you say, Koi, Guardians of the Galaxy Volume Three will heavily involve a search for 2014. Gamora because mm-hmm. she is in their reality now and that's what the focus is going to be. Roka says she was dusted and his justification which does make some sense is how would how would Tony have known that Gamora was good and not part of Thanos' forces even though I guess now that I'm actually verbalizing what he said she fights on their side in the battle. Yeah. <laughs> so the tricky thing is is and I think this is intentional Marcus and McFeely wrote so that Nebula killed Nebula. We never saw nebula get dusted or not so that leads me to believe that gamora is alive because if we'd seen nebula get dusted say that say nebula hadn't shot nebula and she was a force in the fight okay. and we saw nebula get dusted that would imply everyone that just arrived snap but yes. since we had already killed nebula we didn't feel the need to show that and therefore that gives us the end to have nebula not have survived that way and then gamora survived our way <laughs> As I articulated his point, probably not as well as he could have on his own, to be fair. I was less inclined to believe that anyway, but that pretty much just solidified it to for me. To me, the Nebula kill was very misleading on purpose. To me, having Nebula kill herself, one, showed the butterfly effect, again, not being the rules yeah. of the mm. Avengers universe, but also gave us the opportunity to not see how the sisters got dusted, and therefore mm. gave us keeping Nebula. I also think I mean, that it's just like a rich storytelling idea, too. Because the, fir- 
first time I saw Avengers Endgame, with how much I loved the first Guardians, it upset me a little that that Gamora kind of like switched sides so quickly because, mm-hmm. oh, does that wind up taking away from her journey with Peter Quill and what he means to her? Because he encouraged that mm-hmm. transformation quite a bit. I completely threw that out the window on a second and a third watch because I think they justify it very, very well. But it's going to be fascinating seeing him process everything he's been through, knowing who she could be, and mm-hmm. then potentially reuniting her yeah. with her and seeing how that relationship transforms i'm really interesting how they could change the group dynamic going forward it's just star lord always wooing gamora like it's just series of movies it's like it's like uh that that adam sandler movie 50 first dates but just because of past tense like it's just the pursuit of gamora well i could even see them having some fun with uh james gunn's uh style of humor too just bringing back jokes that he told that she he went through with her in the first and second and music cues where he like tries to like this was our song like you can play with that and i think they will or it's like even if he doesn't understand like he I bet you anything Peter Cole doesn't understand the rules of time travel that they established. So he'll try to use like maybe tactics from other movies or something in order to bring her back to where she was before or the Gamora he knows. And depending idea. on what year did they leave, he might have seen Back to the Future 1 because the 80s references. Like depending on how they want to play the right. Peter Quill when he was a kid, yeah. maybe he would have seen Back to the Future. Like we don't yeah. know. I don't, I don't remember the year he gets abducted yeah. off the top of my head, unfortunately. That's why I don't schmo I can't either. Huh. So I don't schmo down. I don't have yeah. the whiteboard. Not ready. I don't schmo down either. <laughs> What's the actually? Be- what villains out there though? What, what 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 is there a villain that we can imagine that the Guardians would have to be up against? I mean, while while we're playing the romance side out, like who's 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 left? Who's, I wouldn't who's- mind Adam Warlock as a villain. Yeah, I wouldn't mm-hmm. mind like the Magus maybe Adam Warlock, something of that like you know that that uh, George Perez Jim Starlin flavor. Mm-hmm. Um, I think I think Guardians Three needs to have a, a strong resolution before they bring in Fox players. Mm-hmm. I think if you bring in Galactus, that's going to be a messy. Like we're ending sure. this trilogy, we're introducing like it's a, it's a lot. Sure. So I would do a not a one off necessarily, but a villain that lives in the cosmic side that's going to stay space opera. Whereas mm-hmm. I feel like Galactus and uh, that universe is so tied to Fantastic Four. Gotcha. You should like keep that over there. Um, so I'd say Magus, Adam Warlock, uh, maybe you know one of the weirder C-listers that James Gunn mm-hmm. finds ways to make awesome. Oh. <laughs> like right. how, how he made Kurt Russell's ego work is beyond me, but it did for me. At this point, I'm voting Adam Warlock. It's been long enough since that tease. Yeah, mm. I want to see him in action now. Yeah. All right, or the We're... Beyonder as played by Mark Hamill. Yeah, that, that's oh, a... I want a Jerry yeah. curled Mark Hamill because yeah. they're friends and they've been teasing them working that's together for five years. Right here. I was thinking like Secret Wars. I was thinking, what about this guy? I would love if they introduced like Jeff Goldblum hanging out with Mark Hamill as as those entities. Yes. Yeah. Well, if you put yeah. Jeff Goldblum back into the equation, you're going to sell me very quickly. <laughs> so we're going to have to cut it off right there. Let's get rid of that spoiler alert. It's gone. Wow, that was perfect timing, Thad. All right. We have some plugs for tomorrow's lineup. As always, you will get Collider Live in the morning. You will also get Movie Talk in the afternoon, 4 p.m. PT Live. But... That's not going to be for long because starting Monday, May 6th, Movie Talk is moving. We're moving to 3 p.m. PT Live every single day. We are cutting the show down to 20 minutes and maximizing every single second of showtime, giving you the best possible content we can produce. And the thing is, we're not just going to be Monday through Thursday anymore. We are moving to five days a week. And you know what? Over those five days, you're going to get so many Collider personalities that you love. And you know what? I've got my Tuesday guy right here. Koi. Every Tuesday. Every Tuesday. I'm so excited to join you. I'll official like every Tuesday talking about like 
I wouldn't get to talk about Sonic on Heroes. That's not a thing. I wouldn't get to weep over that trailer. That's, that's something I need in my life. Well, you're going to be covering more Sonic in the future, probably. <laughs> it's going to be an interesting conversation. But the official announcement came today, too, that I am officially hosting the show. I feel like I've been floating around in this questionable middle zone for quite a while. But please know that it is really just one of the greatest honors to be named host of this show. I was telling Koi earlier, I'll never forget my first trip out here, my first appearance on Movie Talk, basically waking up at the crack of dawn so I had the most time possible to prepare my show notes because I was so, so nervous. So basically to take the baton from John Campia, from Mark Ellis, and to be sitting at this table in this chair myself... I will tell just so mind blowing and I really appreciate your support. The love today, it meant the world to me, and I promise you I will do you all justice. You will love movie talk. All right, we have another plug too. That's all you. So I did the show Collider Heroes. Uh, it's going to be on tomorrow. We had the great Rob Liefeld joining us, uh, which is, is so rad. As you guys know, Deadpool's my guy. Rob is fantastic. Rob is also one of the creators that likes to talk everything. So Rob's on the full hour. So we break down. We talk Endgame. We talk all the quotes from the, the creators of that world. We talk comics. And he talks Major X. We actually go into the nitty-gritty of his comic, which is selling out every single issue. So it is a giant Endgame Major X extravaganza tomorrow. I, I really I'm twitching for you guys to see it because I can't talk about Endgame enough so Heroes tomorrow is going to be great. Check it out guys. Alright. We are winding the show down so we only have time for one Twitter oh, question okay. so I'm going to go I'm gonna go with a little bit of a fun softball here. This one's coming from The Ace who asks what's your favorite movie to quote from? Mine is Varsity Blues. Why do I not know what this is? He writes that's nice. LOL. Thanks guys. Who says that's nice in Varsity Blues? Or like in a way that I didn't just repeat properly. Nice. Yeah, and the funny thing is, I was just watching this movie. It's not coming to me. I'm not gonna lie to you. Yeah, I mean, I just can't. I can't place it. That's nice. Ugh. Pick your movie, and I'll think about that tonight. <laughs> uh, you know, it's it's very broy, and I'm gonna get some some guff. Uh-huh. Uh, I quote Fight Club all the time. Uh, oh, it's like your favorite movie. Yeah, isn't like it? Fight Club. Well, Fight yeah. Club and The Matrix, my two, and I quote them very often. I also quote like Shane Black speaks how I think, so like a lot of Shane Blackisms. Um, kiss, kiss, but mangly the weapon. Yeah, that world in Bruges, I quote a lot. I like the Godfather. You have to answer for Santino. <laughs> Leave the cannoli. It's yeah, always a yeah. good go-to there. It's, it's, it's a, that's really nothing special, but yeah. I feel like I don't even have to tell anybody mine. <laughs> Is it a tattoo of yours? Possibly <laughs> <laughs> on me for the rest of my life. Hold on to your butts. <laughs> I always feel like we're in the Matrix, so I always reference it. Like it's, I think the Matrix is on my mind the most because if anything goes wrong, I always feel like that movie was so like omnipotent and aware. Like anytime there's a glitch in the Matrix, it's part of the vernacular, it's part of the zeitgeist of culture. So I feel like the Matrix is the most like immersed into my own experience because I often wonder like what reality we exist in and and like the concept of holographs and all, all that stuff is like. So maybe the Matrix because I'm always worried that I okay. took the wrong pill. I think I'm definitely Jurassic Park, but heavyweights and Billy Madison aren't far behind. I don't think I've ever. <laughs> Ever picked up a bottle of shampoo or conditioner and not done that whole shampoo and conditioner speech? <laughs> it will not do it for you here, ever, ever, ever. I also feel like I'm getting a little closer on that's nice. Does does Billy Bob say it in the movie? I'm gonna have to rewatch. Ah, it's not even coming to me. I can't even visualize right now. It's been a long time. I since don't mind having loose. an excuse to rewatch. Yeah, that that's movie. not the worst thing to do. All right, as much as I want to figure this out on the spot, <laughs> we gotta cut this show off right now. 
Thank you guys so much for watching. Congratulations to Perry Nemiroff on being the official host of Collider Movie Talk. I, I just had to make that thank, happen. I'm just thank so proud you, of you. Thank you, Koi. I still, like, I don't think I'm going to be able to sleep tonight or pretty much any night leading up to May 6th. I'm so excited for the new format. And a huge thank you to Adam Smith in the booth, who always is there to back me up, Thad and the entire production team for helping us shift this into a brand new format that's going to be really exciting and fun and fresh. I think you're going to enjoy it. Elu, until you visit us again, can you tell everybody out there where to find you on the internet? You can find me at Elu Rock Jazz. I'm a pianist. Yes. Elu Rock Jazz. You have to Google him and watch his videos. It is incredible. Guys, we are checking out now. Thank you so much for watching this episode. As always, like and share it. Check us out in podcast form as well. That's where you can rate and comment. And we will see you tomorrow, 4 p.m. PT Live for a new movie talk. Napa know-how. This month, Napa's got all kinds of motor oil deals that can save you some serious cash. Like a five-quart jug of Napa full synthetic motor oil for just $16.49. With savings like that, you may start feeling like a VIP. But don't let it go to your head. These oil deals are for everyone. Quality parts, helpful people. That's Napa know-how. Napa know-how. General state's pricing. Sales prices not include applicable state local taxes or recycling fees. Offer ends 831.20. It's that little Chico Pitbull, Mr. 305, but it said Mr. Worldwide, and I'm here to tell you about my new podcast, From Negative to Positive, brought to you by my friends over at State Farm. I believe that to have success, you got to play the game, so that the game doesn't play you. You know, the biggest risk you take is not taking one. It's very important that you make sure that you make the most out of your money, especially when it comes to insurance. State Farm offers surprisingly great rates. They have great agents standing by helping you personalize your coverage. All this is backed up by award-winning, easy-to-use technology. It's a great price with an even greater service. When you want the real deal, like a good neighbor, State Farm is there.